Previously on the Jay and Dan podcast. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to set up studios at home and that's No, we were never going to do that. You suggested that. <laughs> I don't want to do anything on my vacation but sit in the nude on my stoop, watch the kitty cats go by. Mm-hmm. So they have the self checkouts at Sobeys. Uh, while I'm checking out, a gentleman walks behind me and says, Hobie, you lose your job. Mm-hmm. I walked out right behind him. He turned around and saw me. He goes, Hope a robot takes your job. And I said, uh, have a nice day with a big smile on my face. Looks at me and says, you're a f- mm-hmm. Now don't be afraid. Go right to that self-checkout again. And do it with your shirt off. Pants down, fully erect. Mm-hmm. We went to the uh, Argos home opener. Yeah, they lost by 80 points. They put up a pretty impressive <laughs> performance against Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Dan, uh, have a great vacation. Thank you. Oh, I think Kristoff has something special for you here. Sad. You're listening to the Jay and Dan podcast. Vacation watch. Dance. Dance. Hey, what the f? It's just me this week. Yeah, Dan's on vacation. He's already uh, a few days into it. Uh, this music is appropriate because Dan attended a EDM festival this past weekend, Digital Dreams. You may have seen the images on his Instagram stories. So that's Dan now, 43 years old, attending an EDM festival. Said he had a pretty good time. I'm sure we'll hear about it when he comes back in five weeks. So I'm solo, and I thought, you know what would be fun? Let's just get right into hockey talk, because today is July the 1st. We record this podcast Monday evenings, in case you're wondering. So if free agent news happens after 9 p.m. Eastern that we didn't get to on this podcast, I sincerely apologize, but that's the cutoff because we're going to be recording it for the next hour, and for most of the hour, we will be doing it with a guy who hasn't been on the podcast before, as far as I know. Christoph, has Pierre Lebrun ever been on this podcast before? I do not believe so, but I'm dialing them up right now. All right, this is amazing. We're going to get it right into it because this was a crazy fun day uh, for the NHL free agent frenzy on TSN. Unless you're, say, the Edmonton Oilers or Calgary Flames or Winnipeg Jets. It didn't do too much. But we'll get to that. We'll get to all that information. It's serious puck talk. I got some questions from you guys on Twitter. I sincerely appreciate that. Another mention, don't forget to buy tickets to our Western Canadian Swing, the Jane Dan podcast tour. That kicks off this fall and on the line already. Heading to the cottage. So kind to join us. Even though his vacation should officially be beginning now, it's Pierre Lebrun. Where, how long is this, gonna, this drive going to take you, Pierre? I'm already halfway through, man. I mean, I just bolted out of TSN. Uh, I don't even know. Am I wearing pants? Yes, I'm wearing shorts. And uh, I'll be at my cottage uh, within 45 minutes here. Okay, so we got you for 45, so we better get right to it, my friend. Very quickly, before we get into what happened today, I have a question for you. I remember, um, I think I first remember reading you writing for the Canadian Press, and of course you were on Hockey Night in Canada as an insider, and then we were so excited to get you at TSN. But I guess my question is, how did you end up on TSN? Yeah, well, my deal was up at Hockey Night. Um, I... um, yeah, I sort of, uh, just to backtrack, I always kind of had parallel jobs. I always separate the writing from my broadcasting. So Canadian Press for 13 years, wonderful, amazing place to start my career. 
Um, I wouldn't know half what I know today without being a CP all those years. Um, and then in 2008, I went to ESPN.com for nine years for writing. Um, so from CP to ESPN.com. And then two years ago, uh, part of all those layoffs at ESPN, I was lucky enough to uh, be uh, one of the first hires at the Athletic. So that's sort of the, uh, the writing track. And then uh, broadcasting-wise, my first broadcast gig was alongside Steve Coolius at the score oh, back man. in the day. Wow. And we had fun there. We had fun. We had a lot of characters back then at the score and a lot of fun, really youthful energy. I mean, I with, mean, uh, Steve himself is is a character for enough, like for four networks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He likes he, Whenever he's at an NHL event, I'm mad. He goes around the room and tells everyone, "I made this guy." He points at me. <laughs> but uh, after the score, um, I, I went to uh, the hockey night, and uh, I was there for uh, six or seven years. And then my deal was up. And, uh, you know, I got a call from uh, one, of the, one of the head honchos at TSM one day and asked me what, what I was doing. I was kind of blindsided. I really hadn't seen it coming, although I will admit, because if Bob McKenzie was on the podcast with us right now, he would make me admit this. TSN had approached me a couple years earlier to come on full-time to both write and do television, so to leave CP and Hockney all at once. And at the time, it was three or four years earlier, and I didn't feel ready. I wanted to keep writing SCP for a while. But in any case, in 2011, um, I left the uh, Hockey Night for GSN and had always wanted to work with Bob McKenzie and Derek Dreger and join forces on breaking stories as opposed to try and beat those two guys because they're pretty hard to beat. So it's been a lot of fun and I'm happy I made that decision. And Bob keeps threatening to retire next year. Do you? Do you truly believe that, Pierre? Because I, I frankly don't. Well, that's what he says is still the plan. It came up again today during our marathon TV session. And when he starts to talk about it, I start to get an anxiety attack. I, I, I don't like thinking about that day. And so I, I'll believe it when I see it. I I feel like we'll have Bob forever myself. I agree. I, I know, you know what? It makes me feel better thinking that, in a way. I agree 100%. I can't imagine TSN without him. But it's been great having you and Dregs and him. I mean, it is a three-headed monster extraordinaire. And today, you guys were super busy. So, Pierre, in the interest of... Because everyone thinks we're the Toronto Sports Network, I'm actually going to start out west, just in the interest of fairness, even though I know the Leafs made a massive trade just an hour or so ago. So let's start in Vancouver and just work our way east. So in Vancouver, the Canucks, their big move, they signed Tyler Myers. I think everybody knew that Myers was interested in Vancouver, Vancouver was interested in Myers. The fascinating thing to me is the term, uh, not the term, but the, the, the salary, because he's making $6 million a year, and I think there were, there were numbers thrown out there like $8, 8500000 uh, There's a question actually from Yeshrin, one of our listeners. Were other teams interested in Myers or had he just focused on Vancouver and given them maybe a bit of a hometown discount? Well, that was certainly his first choice, and in fact, the only team he visited in person, even though there were other conference calls and offers from other teams. But that's where he wanted to be. And yeah, I think, to be honest, he could have made more elsewhere. I mean, when you heard the numbers that were as high as eight, I mean, I think some of that was people reacting to Eric Carlson getting a lot of 11 and a half uh, in San Jose. And people thinking, well, that might drag the market up for all defensemen who need new contracts, right? You know, even if you're not Eric Carlson, you're still someone, and so how does Carlson's deal affect everyone else? 
I think what we've seen is it really didn't affect anyone because Eric Carlson's Eric Carlson and kind of stands in his own little world. Um, because not only that, uh, you know, Myers settled for six million a year, which I think is fair. I, I don't think it's a it's an underpay. I don't think it's an overpay. I think it's about right. But you know, as as we're speaking right now, Jake Gardner still has not signed, and, and that's surprising. I mean, to me, I I really thought he would be the top earner on the UFA defenseman market, uh, and you know, not signed yet as we speak. Um, so it, it just goes to show you that. Uh, you know, I really think some teams, or, or you know, showed a little more self-restraint hmm. this year, and some of that is tied to the fact that salary cap didn't go up as much as uh, the initial projection. Do you you brought up Jake Gardner? I was bringing going to bring him up later, but let's talk about him now since you brought him up. Where do you see him going in your mind? If you had to, if you had to guess, yeah, I mean. First of all, it's just interesting that it didn't seem like it was a very robust market at the beginning, which again surprised me now. He finished the year playing through a back injury, which was a secret, but my information is that he's fully healed. So, And certainly, just so you know, Jay, I mean, teams can request medical information on a player from, from his former team or from his agent, and, uh, and usually there's compliance there. So anyone can check his, his medicals anyway. Um, listen, to me, a natural fit would be Montreal. Um, on the left side, I mean, you know, the, I think Montreal spoke to Philadelphia a week or two ago about Shane Goss's bear that didn't go anywhere. They, I think they've showed interest in T.J. Brody of Calgary. And, uh, you know, to this point, T.J. Brody's close second claim. That left side for Montreal leads at least one upgrade, and it hasn't been filled yet. And I think Mark Bergeron will continue to look at that. So, you know, if the Habs could get Jake Gardner at a decent number, to me that would be uh, that would be a pretty good fit. But other than showing some interest, I don't know how serious they've been about it at this point. You brought up uh, TJ Brody, the Calgary Flames. So let's talk about the Calgary Flames. And one of our listeners, Derek, said, are the Flames as big of losers as Ray Ferraro said? Now, Pierre, you've worked with Ray for a few years now. You and I both know Ray, after a long day, can get a bit ornery. So so maybe that was harsh. But it's it's Cam Talbot and not much else as of this moment. Um, it seems like they might want to move some guys. You know, What's the situation there uh, with Brad Living? Yeah, things aren't done just because July 1st is over and just because I'm going on vacation for eight weeks does not mean that the Calgary Flames are done. And I think you'll see a trade or two before all is said and done this summer with the Calgary Flames. They have been very active, uh, talking to different teams, trying to find some fit. I mean, the big thing is they, they got to sign um, Matthew Kachuk, and that's, you know, that, that's just such a preeminent thought. But they also need cap space for that. Uh, so in the meantime, I think they have looked around to see uh, if they can move a body or two. Um, you know, uh, I suppose we were going to get get into this soon when we got to the Leafs. But, you know, I, I think the Flames at some point over the last week or two showed some interest in Nazem Kadri. And I think Nazem Kadri, I should say, I think, I know, Kadri uh, was on his no list. Uh, he has a 10-team list and Kadri's on his no list. So... Um, that unfortunately couldn't go anywhere, but uh, yeah, keep an eye on the plays because I don't think they're done. And then, in a similar situation, the other Alberta team, 
I think Oilers fans are hoping Ken Holland isn't done because so far he's made some interesting signings, some European players, some unproven guys. Mike Smith comes in because they needed someone to push Miko Koskinen. But obviously he has a lot of holes to fill and not a ton was done on day one. Do you see uh, Kenny Holland very active over the next little while in the trade market? Well, I mean, first of all, let's see what happens with Milan Lucic. I think there's probably still going to be an effort to try and move him if possible. Um, and the weird thing is, I wonder if there isn't a fit with Calgary if uh, James Beal is in play. But <laughs> I don't know if the two Alberta teams was necessarily that eager to deal with each other. But that's... I would... So, Oilers fans, I know it's hard to say that, to say what I'm about to say, but... You know, Ken Holland just got on the job, and I can sense from talking to the teams around the league. I mean, he's got an idea here he, how he wants to go about this, Jay, but it, it's not all going to be done this summer. I, I mean, give this guy a year or two to really put his imprint on this team. He will. But because he has so little cap space to begin this summer, and there's some bad contracts on this roster, he needs a couple of off-seasons my mind to, to finagle all of this. I, I know it's hard to probably Oilers fans listening to this if, if they're driving a car like I am and <laughs> hopefully not drive off the road because, you know, their patience has been tested beyond belief, but uh, he's got a plan. He's got an idea of how he wants to go about this. It's just at the very beginning right now. That's fair. That's fair. So let's move on to Winnipeg, and it's more about what they've lost than what they've gained. They they lose Truba, they lose Myers. You know, no matter what, what you think of Tyler Myers, whether you know he was an overrated player or whatever, I mean, he, he played a lot of minutes uh, for them on the blue line. Brandon Tanev goes. Do you see them active? or They have such a strong sort of build from within core that, that Kevin Dayoff has always sort of adhered to um, do you see him not being as active and trying to, to sort of replace from within? Well, I, you know, he's got to wrestle around the idea of resigning Kyle Connor and Patrick Liney, and that really is such an, uh, an omnipresent uh, force that it, it overtakes everything else. You know, he needs the cap space to get those guys done. And be- you know, he needs to get an idea of what it's going to take to get them done. He's had conversations with both camps, but, you know, I think to some degree it's made it harder to go out and do other things because he really needs those two guys signed. And in the meantime, as I've mentioned a couple times over the past week, other teams have phoned Kyle Connor's agent. Um, and I'm not suggesting that we're going to see an offer sheet, but other teams are phoning. So things could get really interesting in Winnipeg. And, Listen, you know, I do think that there's a trade that's possible here over the next week or two. Um, you know, I, I wonder if they want to try and replace what they've lost on defense. Um, I still think they feel they're very deep up front, and I agree with that. So certainly some assets there. But Winnipeg has their work cut out. It's uh it's a lot of work in front of Kevin Shovel Very quickly, Pierre, I've heard recently um, that the Line A camp might be open to a bridge deal. Do you do you get that feeling as well? Yeah, no, I uh, you know I wrote that I think a week ago, but because I just think there's a mutual to me there's a mutual interest here. One is you know Line A went such a long stretch without scoring this year or not scoring a lot. I think he can bet on himself here. 
And, you know, if he signs a two- or three-year deal and come out swinging with a couple big 40- to 45-goal seasons, he's going to write his own ticket in his next contract. And if you're Winnipeg, the appeal of a bridge deal is that you mitigate his AV, you get the number a little lower than it would be over a longer-term deal. So I, I actually think that's an example of what both sides should be aiming for that, and certainly I think both sides have thought about the idea of that. I like how I said I've heard the possibility, but really I just read it in your article and didn't <laughs> well, give you credit. Else. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, let's talk Toronto and and the big deal. It's Tyson Berry, it's Alex Kerfoot coming to Toronto with a draft pick, and it's Nazem Kadri and Callie Rosen and a draft pick going back. So, uh, take the fact that the Leafs don't have to pay the full salary. I don't really care. Ultimately, this is a one-year rental, right? So this is a one-year rental for Tyson Berry. He's unrestricted in a year. Uh, Jake Muzzin is unrestricted in a year. So they've sort of solved their defensive problems, I guess, for the short term. But, you know, you love what, what St. Louis did l- last year, Pierre, is so fascinating to me because I feel like now so many teams are just going to go for it. <laughs> And right. why not, right? I mean, why wouldn't they? And they got the talent up front, and they did need a puck-moving defenseman, and they got him. Yeah, excellent player, Tyson Berry. And, you know, throw in the Ottawa deal where they got Cody Cece, who can play on their second pairing. Suddenly the Leafs have two right-handed defensemen in their top four. Who knew? Who knew? Um, <laughs> it's something they've been... I mean, this goes back to when Lou Lamorello was still GM in Toronto. You know, they... They tried on Sammy Batten, but Anaheim ended up trading into New Jersey a couple of years ago. Uh, they tried on Travis Hamannick at the draft a couple of years ago, but Calgary ended up getting him from the Islanders. I mean, this has been like the white unicorn for the Leafs, and, and to come out of the last 24 hours with uh, Tyson Berry, a legit top-pairing right-hand defenseman, and Cody Ceci, a second-pair guy, uh, well, this Leafs blue line looks a lot better. Um, and you know what? It's interesting. I mean, if Tyson Berry is only in Toronto for a year, by the way, Cody Ceci would, would be up in a year as well if he only does a one-year deal, which is what we expect the Leafs to sign him to. So it's almost like maybe the Leafs are looking at the Raptors and saying the whole one-year thing seems to work. When yeah. You, when you gamble that way. <laughs> yeah, why not? And then you got uh, and then you got the hometown boy, Spezza, who, you know, I don't know what he has left, but... I love the idea of us being able to hear him in post-game interviews and uh, yeah. off-day interviews every day because we've missed uh, that delightful laugh and just that overall <laughs> delight. <laughs> there it is. Thank, thank you, Christoph. There it is. We've missed that, haven't we? Haven't we? I mean, he we went have. to and Dallas is like right no now, man's land. I can tell you right now, he, that guy's a future GM. That guy's a really bright guy who has uh, a future in the NHL front office when his career is over. Listen, the least plan for him is to play him on the fourth line, on the second fireball unit, and they're really happy to have a guy, uh, a right-handed face-off guy, which, which kind of hurt them uh, this year at times. So all that is good. But to go back to the, the you know, the bigger Leafs trade of the day, um, you know, there have been a lot of rumors about Nazem Kadri perhaps being on the move, as, as, you, as you saw uh, all week there, Jay. And uh, I tweeted this out tonight, but my understanding is Kadri. Uh, rebuffed two trade attempts uh, from two teams that were on his no list. So he has a 10-team modified no trade list and a couple of teams, and like I said, I think one of them is Calgary, um, you know, weren't able to, to, to sway him. So finally the Leafs 
uh, trade him to a team that was not on his no list, so they could freely trade him to Colorado. I think it just tells you that. I mean, listen, I, I think he has a baby on the way, loves Toronto, just didn't want to leave, and I kind of love that loyalty. You know, I mean, it reminds me of when Matt Sundin didn't want to wave. You know, Nazem Kadri will realize what an amazing opportunity it is to go to a Colorado team that I think is going to dominate the West over the next 10 years. But for now, I'm sure for him, it's, it's, you know, he loved being a Leaf, and it's probably heartbreaking for him. A lot of interest in him, though. I mean, like you said, I mean, there was the Leafs obviously knew he was a he was a trade chip, and and maybe you know after what happened in the postseason last year with the suspension, maybe that he'd kind of worn the patience had maybe worn thin a little bit with Nazem Kadri. But you look at his goal totals over the last few years, Pierre. I mean, this is a really good play. I mean, everyone's sort of on Twitter is like, "Wow, the Leafs stole this deal," and but you get cost certainty with him, yeah, and you get a. a a little sandpaper on a avalanche team that maybe needed it. Yeah, and you know he uh, has a talented avalanche team, and now he's going to get to see a bit more of an offensive role in, in behind Nathan McKinnon that he used to have behind Austin Matthews. But once John Tavares came on the scene a year ago today, you know it was always I found it, that Kadri seemed to struggle all year long to find his new role behind Matthews and Tavares this year, you know, the, the, the third line center thing, you know, limited his offensive uh, abilities, offensive starts, a lot of things I think were difficult, and I think going to Colorado, where he's going to play a top six role, uh, I think he'll just bounce back, Nazem Kadri, and I think he's going to be, you're right, I mean, I don't view this as a steal at all, I view this as a deal that addressed some specific needs for each team. Joe Sackick made no bones that he was going to go out and upgrade his top six behind his big three, right? The big three did everything for them last year. Now he's gone out. He's got Donskoy. Uh, he was a back-to-back 14-goal scorer with San Jose. Maybe Donskoy is more of a third-liner, but, you know, a guy that's had some success. He's added Nazem Kadri. Um, uh, you know, uh, so to me, I look at this trade with the Leafs, and the Leafs finally get their top pairing right-handed D. Um, I think it's a trade that should work out well for both teams. You look at Ottawa. It's now Ottawa's now Toronto. You have uh, Hainsey. <laughs> you have Zaitsev. You have Tyler Ennis. Um, I explain. I guess they need to get to a cap floor. I mean, they had too much cap space. I mean, but to ha- to give up Cody Cece, that seemed that seemed tough to me. It's funny. I think that too. But I've talked to other scouts after the trade this morning who said they think that the difference in CC and Zaitsev actually isn't that great. And here's the thing, if you're Ottawa, it is difficult for Ottawa right now to attract free agents. And in Zaitsev, they get a player who uh, has term left on his deal, um, who DJ Smith, of course, the new head coach of the Senators, who was the assistant in Toronto, knows very well. And behind the scenes, DJ Smith was pushing hard to get Zaitsev. And I, clearly, DJ Smith would have sold GM Pierre on the idea that he can get Zaitsev back to the way he played the first year he was in Toronto. So I think the Senators, listen, and, and you know, signing Ron Ainsey, underrated part of the day, Ron Ainsey, everywhere he goes, is, becomes this instrumental uh, leader for younger players. Well, who's going to be younger this year than Ottawa? So I, I think the, uh, the leadership angle of signing Ainsey, but listen, it's not sugar-coated. The Senators are going to be uh, probably a lottery pick team and it's going to be a long year because of how young they are, and there's still lots of holes in this lineup. But, you know, they found a way here to get some players 
you know, at a time right now in their rebuild where, you know, they're just not a destination team. They uh, a lottery pick team, but Pierre, at least they have their lottery pick. Yes, they do. Hey, that is a good observation by you. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so let's get to Montreal because I think they are kind of the most fascinating team of the day because, I mean, come on. Who saw this coming? I think I saw it. Maybe it was you who wrote it. I just want to credit you with everything so I don't mess up. <laughs> I saw something I, the uh, well, I saw something the other the other day. Pierre was like, "What is Mark Bergevin up to? What is Mark Bergevin up to?" And lo and behold, this offer sheet comes. But the thing that's fascinating to me, and I think Don Waddell even said something about it, it seems like the offer sheet's too low for Sebastian Ajo. Well, it's very intriguing. Um, you know, we started our day. If you remember, we started the show. I, I put out a tweet at like around 11 a.m. saying Carolina has gotten calls from a couple teams hinting at an offer sheet on Ajo. And Carolina's already warned their, those teams that they will match. So that's how the day started, and that created a bit of a buzz on Twitter. And you never know when you hear that, if it's just teams you know, trying to scare Carolina into a trade or what. But here we go, Montreal followed through. And, um, and you're right. I mean, I think the, the criticism of the offer sheet that Montreal has had Ajo sign is that it didn't go high enough. That if you're going to scare the heck out of Tom Dunn and the owner in Carolina who counts as pennies, you know, why wasn't it nine or nine and a half a year? And I think there's some merit to that. But what I did discover after doing a little more research is that, you know, the Canadians have about 21 million up front in the first 12 months of that deal with the two big signing bonuses. And, you know, there's a limit to how much you can front load in the first 12 months. Uh, I won't get into the whole CBA part of it, Jay, but basically, you know, yeah, it could have been a few more million, but I think the Canadians felt at that point, if he's willing to match $21 million in the first 12 months, he's willing to match $26, 27000000 million. You know what I mean? They, they yeah. just felt yeah. $21 million is about is very high in the first 12 months. If he's able to stomach that and match it, then so be it. Like that, that, that was, this is the hook of the deal for Montreal. Uh, there's two other hooks to it. One is that it's five years, and in the negotiations between Carolina and Sebastian Ajo, they really hit a wall because Ajo wanted five years and, and the Hurricanes were steadfast in wanting him to sign eight years. Well, now they're not going to get him at eight years either way. Uh, the third one is this. Now, did you did you hear Mark Bergeron in a news conference today? He repeated himself saying how excited Ajo was to sign with the Habs. Hmm. And I think that's Mark Bergeron's attempt to toy with Tom Dundon's emotions <laughs> if the owner explodes into a fury and doesn't match it because he's angry at the player now. It's not, listen, it's not that silly. Like, you know, Tom Dundon is, is a, is a intriguing character. I, I've got to, I, I've had a lot of dealings with him over the past year and a half, and he's a fascinating guy. You know, he's, he's really in many ways, uh, the poor man's Mark Cuban, but on the hockey side and, you know, he wears track suits at Board of Governors meetings, whatever what else <laughs> is in a suit. And, and he, and, but he is clearly, you know, doesn't like to spend big money, but he's got a lot of interesting ideas. So I think, you know, I, I mentioned this during the telecast today, but the Habs actually, my understanding is they started the offer sheet conversation on Braden Point of Tampa, but then shifted to Ajo. And, and Jerry Johansson, who's the agent, he's the agent for both Ajo and Point. So that's why that is very plausible. 
And I think they've decided Aho is the better target, outside from the fact they really like the player, because of Tom Dundon. That's the idea that maybe this would just be too much for him. But I got to tell you, I think I think the Hurricanes probably match it. Um, and now let's see how. <laughs> Let's see how the next Board of Governors meeting goes between Tom Dundon and Jeff Moulton. Well, and you know, I love the uh, the Hurricanes. So you know, you're right about Dundon. I, we were we ridiculed Dundon and some of his ideas when he first came on, and now I really like that he's steadfast about certain things, salaries, stuff like that, and. I love the social media account of the Carolina Hurricanes giving you only yes and we as options of whether they'll match. Um, I like that. But, yeah, I mean, I just like offer sheets. And, I, like, I, I, I get that it's sort of terrifying for a lot of teams. You know, it's like there's, there's no sort of you can't plan. There's no certainty. But it's also kind of ridiculous that there aren't more of them. And, and you know, it, it's, you bring up Board of Governors meetings. You know, sometimes I think these guys are so terrified of making each other mad that they're afraid to, to make a hockey deal. I, I agree. And that's why I think even if people don't like the way the Canadians structured the deal and feel it should have been higher, and that's fair criticism, I think Mark Bergman needs to be applauded for still doing it. Just doing it. It's the first time in, in six years of, there's been an offer sheet. Uh, I think if you're Mark Bergman, you're, trying, you're showing your fans that you're willing to make these big moves. Um... And again, I do think Carolina will probably match, but at least, you know, the Canadians thinking outside the box here. And, um, you know, they went after Matt Duchesne, as everyone knows, and, uh, and, and lost out to Nashville. But I tell you what, who knows? I mean, in the 10% chance that Carolina doesn't match, uh, the Canadians got them, get themselves a hell of a player. Well, you brought up Matt Duchesne. Let's quickly talk about him. To me, I heard the, the $8 million average Pierre and I thought wow that's le- again like Tyler Myers that seems less than I thought he was going to get not necessarily like the thing with Myers and I think you brought it up earlier in the podcast six million seems like the right salary for Myers when you just take everything out of the equation and just look at his stats and minutes and everything that seems like a good number well eight million seems like a good number for Matt Duchesne but I just thought he'd get more because he's a proven scorer and one of the few unrestricted free agents out there that was a proven scorer, but it just seems like he loves country music and <laughs> and he really just wanted to go to Nashville. Well, and he bought an investment property a year or two ago. Um, um, you know, I don't know if he's going to live in it now, but he bought a place there a year or two ago on top. It just seemed like the stars are always aligned for this. David Poyle barely hides this, but he tried to trade for him numerous times over the last five years. In fact, you know, when he ended up with Kyle Turris in that three-way trade with Ottawa and Colorado, it was Duchesne that he was after originally for months and months and months, and and Duchesne ended up in Ottawa. So no question that this was always a marriage that felt like it was going to happen. But I'll tell you what, I, I do think there was a few interesting moments during that negotiation because, you know, agents around the league refer to David Poyle's, you know, referring to their finances in Nashville as Nashville dollars, quote-unquote. <laughs> And, and Nashville dollars is why Ryan Ellis signed last summer for less than what he probably should make. And, you know, and, and you go all the way up down the line, there's, there's a lot of reasonable contracts on that payroll. And there are very, there's only one, there, there isn't a single full no move. I mean, Dick Arena has a partial one. And, and today Matt Shane got a very, very partial one that, uh, uh, that, that only kicked in in the last three years of his deal and only has seven teams on it. And so David Poyle does things a certain way and is sort of, you know, uh, you know, 
maintain that culture in Nashville to the point where you're right. I mean, after Jeff Skinner gets nine million a year times eight, and Kevin Hayes gets seven point one four million a year, it's hard not to think that Matt Deshane should be making nine and a half to ten million a year. Uh, but not in Nashville, and it just speaks to I think Duchesne's desire to be there no matter what. That I think you know that probably hurt his leverage in, in negotiations. And I think the the one you've brought it up. I know I've heard you bring it up. The one deal that David Poyle would probably like back is that extension he signed Kyle Turris to when he traded for him. And I, you've talked about it, and Bob's talked about it, and Dregs has too. There's no secret, I think, that Poyle's trying to shop Turris. Is that still, you would assume now, especially bringing on that, that cap hit with Duchesne, that would still be the case. Is there a market for him? Yeah, I mean, I think he could could move, but I, I spoke to some teams that kind of... In- you know, are, are monitoring that situation, and they feel that right now that that the Predators are still asking for the kind of return of Kyle Turris in his better years. So I don't think that teams feel that that you, you know that Nashville's being realistic enough on this right now. I also heard though late in the day today that Nashville's you know fine waiting to see if Kyle Turris has a bounce back here. Hmm. Maybe you know maybe he sits in as a third line center. So you know I think that's one of those deals where. Maybe Nashville's sitting there in the weeds saying if the team jumps up and makes the right kind of offer, we'll move in before camp. But if not, let's just start the year with them and see what happens. If you were grading all the teams in the NHL, Pierre, on who had the best day, I'm thinking the Stars have to be right up there because you get Pavelski on a pretty nice three-year $21 million. You get Corey Perry to very low-risk deal, and apparently a lot of teams were interested in Corey Perry, despite his recent in- injury history. And then you get Andre Sekera on a really reasonable deal. And you know, Oiler fans will tell you, if he's healthy, and that's a big if, um, you know, he can play top four minutes. So I-, I really like what Dallas did. Well, and the big thing is they're not really paying Sekera hardly, so, so there's not a lot of risk there. No, and you're right. And, you know, they added some marquee players in, in, in Pavelski and Perry. Okay, they're not young guys, both 34 years old, but, you know, really no risk on term. You know, I mean, I mean, if Pavelski gives you two great years and fades in the third year, that's a, that's a good investment if it's gotten you a championship. Um, and he's just a tremendous person. I mean, you talk to every player in that San Jose room, and they just love, they just love Joe Pavelski. And the big thing is, you know, Dallas improved their team without taking pieces away, basically, from a team that almost got to the conference finals. So, um, you know, that, that's, I'll tell you what, if Ben Bishop stays healthy, that's, mm. that's the team to be reckoned with next year. There's no question about yeah, it. Yeah, they got close as it was with before adding those guys. Okay, I'll just some kind of quick hits here. The bread man goes to the Rangers, and I think there was some momentum for him maybe going to Long Island. Um Obviously, he gets. He's a guy who didn't sacrifice for the average salary. <laughs> no, he he got paid. Um, and it's certainly the night before, as we went to bed late, it seemed like the Islanders were in the driver's seat. But these things can change, and you know, I think the Rangers woke up on Canada Day and said, "Let's give this one more push," and and they certainly did. But at the end of the day, what it really took was that I think Panarin really had his heart set on on the big on the Big Apple in terms of MSG. You know, all year long when we talked about his future, the Rangers would come up the most often. And, um, you know, I give the Rangers credit because all week long we kept hearing that Panera wouldn't go for anywhere less than $12 million a year and maybe not even for less than 12 and a half a year. Wow. 
and it's common knowledge now to most people following Twitter last night that that uh, and I put this out there and so did a couple other media colleagues across the league. Columbus offered him eight years times twelve. Yeah, late last yeah. night, and so you know he not only took a bit less per year, but he, he took a lot less overall because of course he can only get seven years, um, not eight years. Um, you know, with the Rangers, but I, I think that's just where he wanted to play. You, and, uh, you don't know. you think, Pierre, that you mentioned this Columbus offer? Uh, the timing of it, it seemed so strange to me because it was almost like uh, a kid realizing at the last minute that he had to study for a test. Like, like, didn't they? Did they not think that maybe making that offer earlier in the process might make him think about it a little bit more? I mean, I think I feel like well, he was already mentally gone from there at that point. I think they offered him pretty close to the same deal a year ago last summer. To be quite wow. honest, wow. So I think, you know, it was just renewed last night. And, right. And, and I guess the only thing I can think of, and I haven't talked to Yarmo Kekalevin today, the GM of the Blue Jackets, but I wonder if you didn't think that the timing of it, just to make him think, because, again, the only team that could give him eight years was Columbus. Right, right. And, and so the timing with the midnight deadline looming, because after midnight the eight years is gone, even for Columbus, Um that maybe that would be a pressure point to make him think, but I really think it was clear with the way things ended up that the Rangers were, were just so preeminent in Panarin's thoughts. And if there was any indication that Sergei Bobrovsky, my buddy, was leaving Columbus, uh, I think it was in the fact that his condo was for sale approximately three seconds after the Blue Jackets were eliminated from the postseason. I saw that, I was like, oh, I guess that's kind of a sign there uh and of course yeah. he goes to florida and that's where we all knew he was going so uh good for joel quinville i guess yeah that was pretty predictable you know Bobrovsky in florida and duchene in nashville it's funny sometimes you map this all out and it all goes crooked but those two were preordained for sure um and you know listen florida tried on both Panarin and Bobrovsky, but when it started to not make sense financially to try to fit both in, there's no question they focused on the guy that they thought was the priority, right? I mean, Roberto Luongo retired. You know, it was hard for Luongo near the end of his career here to be at his previous standard. They needed a huge goaltending upgrade, and they went out and got a guy that basically has been uh, the Russian Carey Price over the last decade. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and you know, I, the term is going to end up haunting them, I think, because... Uh, you know, as it may, might with Montreal and Carey Price, by the way, that don't know that the science really backs signing goalies in their 30s to that, that many years. But um, if it leads to a lot of winning uh, in the first four or five years of that deal, then uh, no one's going to care. That's sometimes the deal of the devil that you make. Well, and, and if they stay healthy, you know, you just know that that is a position you don't have to worry about. It's the most important position, you know, for the next whatever it is, seven years. So, yeah, you're right. It's probably by the last couple of years, maybe it's too much. But, but at least you never have to worry about goaltending. No, not not for a long time. And, uh, you know, that's a team that scored a lot of goals last year that has offensive talent. Um, um, you know, and let's not forget, the you know, another decent acquisition today, Anton Strahlman on the right side of their defense signing a three-year deal at Sixteen and a half million, um, tremendous leader. Uh, yeah, you know, best hockey is is probably behind him, but still um, a guy that on the right side fills a nice hole for Florida. So, pretty good day for the Panthers, I'd say. I know we're winding down with you. I I, I had to ask you about this, and one of our listeners, Stevie D, had the same question I had. 
Wayne Simmons. I love it. Good Scarborough boy. Bets on himself. One year, $5 million with the Devils. But there had to have been multi-year deals out there for Wayne Simmons, no? I think yes to some degree, but I also think the market was a bit softer than uh, or camp at Hope. And, and I think it, you know, he, he didn't fit in well in Nashville, right? Um, you know, two years ago, played the guy is so tough, played through all kinds of injuries. He's one of my favorite players. And um, I think Wayne Simmons needs a I'm Wayne Simmons year yeah. where the, the goals come back and the big hits and, and, and the health. And then if he has that kind of year, and who knows, uh, you know, got some pretty talented players now with uh, Hall and, and Jack Hughes and uh, PK Zuban and that gang now in uh, in New Jersey. It's a fun team to be a fun team to watch, and you know, for Wayne Simmons perhaps to fit into all that and and, um, and have a bounce back year, I certainly wish it for him. And uh, and if he does, then that might lead to a nice extension with the Devils or or an opportunity somewhere else. So, it, it, listen, there's risk. You're 31. You, you're always, usually when you're 31, you want term, um, you know, to, to get your security. But I, I understand what he's doing here for sure. Okay, one more, and then I'm going to let you go enjoy the dock. Here it is. Yes. Uh, Jim Rutherford, who might ever question a man who's going to be a Hall of Famer, but... Uh, Phil, what happened with Phil? I'm so confused by this. Did did Phil ask for a trade? Phil Kessel, we're talking about. I feel like he's a, yeah. he's a first name guy. He's like Madonna or Prince. But um, I I love the fit. By the way, to me, Phil's like the guy who wins a couple of cups, and then he's like, yeah, I'd like to go to Arizona and just golf and put up 35 goals, and everyone will love him there. But uh, it just seems strange how that all went down. By the way, when Phil retires, don't you think Phil Kessel should have a reality show where you just follow him around? A hundred thousand percent. I mean, <laughs> just the man is so fascinating to me. Um, yeah, I would like to get to know him better. I feel like we don't know him well enough. And you're right, a reality show would pull that off. So that might be in the future for Phil. Maybe he's our Kardashian, our NHL Kardashian. But Yeah, I'd watch it. I've always enjoyed uh, talking to him. Listen... You know, the thing, obviously, Jim Rutherford came out during that call and said that Phil Kessel had asked out. Phil Kessel didn't see it that way. Let's just agree on this. I think they both agreed a change of scenery was a good thing. Right. And 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 it, it, it was not a smooth exit. I mean, you know, Jim Rutherford tried to trade him to Minnesota, of course, thinking that even though Minnesota wasn't on his team, uh, his list, his eight, eight yes team on his modified no trade, that, hey, given where he grew up, you know, that's a no-brainer. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, I don't know if it's because Phil in Minnesota didn't see a team that was close to winning again or winning, period. Or if, you know, he's a stubborn guy and he said, I have the right to nix this, and, and I am, you know. so. And by the way, I don't think we should ever get down on players. You know, we talk about Kadri nixing a trade or two. You know, players negotiate those no trades. I mean, that's part of their contract. And what's the point of having them if everyone says you shouldn't be using it when it's signed? I mean, so I have no problem with Kessel doing what he did. and But at the end of the day, I think this was a divorce that was beneficial for everyone involved. I got to say, this has been a blast uh, just talking hockey with you, and, and I loved every second of it. I hope you have a great time up at the cottage. And you and I are downtown guys. You're an annex guy, and I'm a little Italy guy, so we should hang out more. 
but yeah, uh, it, but it's kind of like you know when I invite myself to to Bob McKenzie's cottage, you know, I say these things knowing that they might not come to fruition. So I'm just <laughs> I'm just excited that I got to chat with you a little bit. It was, and you guys did a hell of a job today, like you always do, and had a great year. So uh, look forward to to chat with you again in the fall. Have a lot of fun up there, my friend. Well, it's always a great day when I don't end up uh, my faces end up on a T-shirt that you're wearing. Like the old days, so I, uh, I'm happy for that, and uh, no, we'll we'll go hang out downtown when I'm back uh, back around in September, man. So let's do it. Sounds great, man. Have a uh, have a great vacation. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. All right, okay. thanks, Jay. All right, there he is, Pierre LeBrun. That was a blast. I loved every second of it. And so we're going to switch from that, Christoph, to getting right into another hard hitting interview. And I know what you're saying to yourselves. Are you going to call Dan? No, we've got to leave Dan alone. It's his vacation. He deserves this time to attend every EDM festival across this great country. And if you're hosting an EDM festival, absolutely reach out to Dan. Uh, direct message Dan. Make sure you get him there. VIP. Fly him out. First class. He loves that kind of stuff. This is the life he's leading now. He's an EDM guy. But we've got to talk to someone else, someone who's very uh, familiar to podcast listeners, somebody that uh, sometimes uh, Dan uh, isn't so keen on speaking with to the point where he put a time limit on him. We're not going to do that today with our good friend who we're talking to in New York City, just returned from a trip to Italy with his family. He's back to talk about that. I know he's killing it with the ladies. He's Things are happening for our friend Ben Teller, how are you, my friend? Hello, 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 <laughs> Jay. How are you? Oh, I'm excited to chat with you because I don't have to look over at Dan and see a look of sort of a sour face. You know, you I can we just have a great conversation here about all the fun things that are going on with you. You're in Europe more than you're in North America now. Yeah, you know, I when I moved to New York last year, I think I spent the first uh, 25 weeks in a different country. That's it? That's all you're going to say about it? Yeah, I don't know. I traveled a lot to Bangkok. I was living <laughs> in Amsterdam. I was in the South. Uh, I've been to Berlin. I've been to Singapore. I've been to Italy. I've been to uh, Sweden. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a wild ride. And each stop, more and more exciting sexual adventures for you. Actually, I do have a very exciting adventure that I wish Dan could hear. So... I'm really going to give this one for Toolsy, but I, I'm I'm know he's going to listen to it. He will. He'll he'll be listening. No question. He's got EDM festivals to fly to, so he's he's going to have a lot of time on his hands on those planes. He's going to have to listen. He's going to have to kill those hours, so he'll want to hear the story. Let's hear it, buddy. So I was in uh, Rome after the Amalfi Coast last week um, with my family, and my family and I kind of split apart. My younger brother had to go back to Sweden. My parents went back to. Los Angeles, and I was in Rome for a couple of days, and kind of like, what am I going to do alone? I was a little bit tired, and I was like, all right, Ben, put on your uh, backpacking mind when you were, you know, 25, young stallion in Thailand. What did you do? And the first thing I did is, like, go on dating apps. I just started swiping, right, because I needed, like, a fallback plan if I was bored at night and I couldn't find a cool bar to get to. So I start swiping, and... uh you know, I match with this one girl and we start talking and she seems sweet and she's like, you want to meet up tomorrow? And I said, yeah, that'd be great. You know, I'm going to Vatican City. Uh, she goes, great. Let's meet at the Pantheon. I'm not going to Vatican City. It's too crazy. I said, okay, no problem. We meet outside the Pantheon and I'm a little bit skeptic because I'm like, oh, she's a cute girl and she's messaging me. So 
when I get to the Pantheon, I kind of like turn the corner to make sure she's not like a hairy old Italian dude. Uh, but I, I see her there. You know, she looks cute. I walk up to her, we hang out. She takes me around the city for five and a half hours. Everything. Every sight we saw, every glass of wine we drank together was so cool, super special. We were vibing. Uh, I asked her if she wanted to meet up later. She said, absolutely. She ended up falling asleep. So I wasn't going to hold too much weight on that. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Let's, she, let's, pause, let's press pause. So wait, she came back to your hotel room? No, no, oh. sorry. That's a, that's a good discern. So she, we wanted to go back and like shower. You know, it was like 100 degrees oh, yeah. in Europe. It was gross. We had been, you know, it was a lot. And I think we were both just a little bit tired. So I was like, let's go back. Uh, to each other's places and, you know, you go to yours, I'll go to mine and let's go get dinner around 9 or 9.30. Interesting, um, interesting. See, I would have invited her back to my hotel for a yeah. mutual shower, perhaps, but I like the cautious approach. I, I sometimes think you're too cautious, but continue, continue. Yeah, so I, I'm going to agree with you on that. I am sometimes too cautious, but I was going with my feelings and my feelings were saying, you're a cool man, like this is going to work out. So... Uh, I went back to uh, my place, showered. She went back to her place and showered. We were talking for a little bit, and then she kind of, like, stopped texting, and she's, like, um, woke up, said, hey, I just fell asleep. I'm going to, like, stay in. Oh. I said, okay. But I, I didn't take, like, too much. I didn't feel like it was too personal. Like, I was tired, too, but I also was traveling. She lives there, so I could have got a second win if I needed to. Uh, next day at, like, 1230 she's like hey what are you doing and i'm like oh i just finished uh touring the jewish museum uh she goes oh great like i'm in this park come like meet me i said great so i go meet her at this park and it's like even hotter so we don't want to go do anything so we just sit at a restaurant have a bottle of wine she takes me to like her favorite area and we just sit on these steps where um in chastavere and we're like just drinking bottles of wine listening to music and five hours go by and we're both having a really good time. And I look at her and she looks at me and I'm like, should we go back and like shower and go out later? Like, what should we do? Are we just going to keep going out? And she says, we should just do as the Italians do and just go out sweaty and smelly. And I said, uh, okay. And at this point, <laughs> like, you got, you, let, let me tell you where, yeah. where I am right now. So I'm, I'm two weeks into my trip. I think I've gained like nine pounds in the Amalfi coast. I forgot my razor, so I have a neck beard, and I have no clean underwear, so I'm rock, I'm rolling commando. So, like, there's a million things here that I just want to go back and shower. There. Okay. Yeah, you know, there's a lot going on. She goes, let's just do it. I said, you know, Ben, sometimes you just got to roll with it. You just got to do it. And uh, we went to a local pizza joint, and at this point, I'm, I'm sure she likes me, but I'm, like, a little bit hesitant if she's, like, trying to friend zone me. I'm like, this is bullshit. Dude, go for it. So I go wash my hands in the bathroom and then I come back to the table and I kind of just like give her a kiss and it was really reciprocal. And she gave me another kiss and I was like, boom, you're in. Yes, you did it. Like, you know, like the whole like. Where's the hallelujah? We need that now stuff. Yeah, yeah. it was just like, it was so epic because she's like really cute and I was like having a good time and yeah, yeah. (laughs) And, uh, my buddy ended up meeting up, up with us, and we probably went what, out. Your so, buddy? What? What? Whoa! 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 Why? Uh, yeah, I know. This is. Oh my I know. God. I know. I know. I. He was in town from LA. He texted me earlier. He's like, "What are you doing?" And so he would understand. 
if he's a true yeah. friend and you said, I got this cute Italian girl. And by the way, I can confirm, you sent me pictures of her and she was very cute. And so you have this cute Italian girl. You're, you're, you're at the finish line and you're like, hey, let's, let's bring along the third wheel. Okay, so that is very fair. And, and let me like break down my train of thought. This is a younger kid who I went to school with. Or actually, we didn't even cross paths at school. I knew he was going to like hype me up because we haven't seen each other in a while. So I felt like he was more going to be a like a cheerleader for me and make me seem. You didn't need one at that point. You didn't need a cheerleader. She's making out with you in a restaurant. You should have head straight to the nearest hotel. But okay, yeah. Well, I wanted to go out and party, whatever. So my buddy meets up with us. We're drunk, me and this girl. We're having a great time. He meets up. We go to a bar, we're playing beer pong, we're doing, I don't know, beer bongs, and we go to another bar, we're doing limoncello shots, and it's like one in the morning, and I'm just like dancing, and we're dancing, and my buddy's like, dude, do you want me to leave? And I'm like, oh, sorry, like, yeah, you can definitely leave. Like, I think he got the hint, but it wasn't like awkward. There were a bunch of people, we were speaking Italian, and uh, we went back at like 3 a.m. and had a great night, and she... uh she did sleep over, and we spent all the next day together, and we had a really special goodbye, and hopefully our paths will cross again soon. Okay, so that was a long way of saying, you got laid in Rome. <laughs> no comment, Jay, no comment. What? No comment, but you're confirming you guys sexed it up, right? Yeah. You did it. But I, I feel I feel like like I don't like to kiss and tell, but I get it. it I get like, it. But but this know, is like, when you said you said, Well, I wish Dan was here. Up until up until you said you guys had sex, like I was very happy Dan wasn't here because he would have lost it easily for the last ten minutes of that story. He would have lost it on you. Especially when you talked about the buddy from LA who you invited out. Yeah, but I want Dan to know that, like, I can do it on my own, my way, and still get laid. Like, it isn't Dan's way. Like, I'm good at it. No, I'm not that good. I'm trying. Well, you're, in the end, you accomplish the goal, and that's great. And we're not, by the way, we're not advocating you being, well, we are kind of advocating you being a male <laughs> whore, because, frankly, you should do that. You're, you're young, and you should get out there and have a great time. And it was consensual, and obviously she was interested in you. Listen, I'm thrilled. I'm, like, really, really happy for you, buddy. That's exactly the European trip that you needed to have. And I feel rejuvenated. And you know what's even better? I have the confidence. I have, like, three dates this week. Yes. Can you believe that? I'm back. You need to sex all those girls. Oy. Yeah, I don't know if they're like. I feel like they're thirty-three and Jewish and want to get married tomorrow. The, but the Jewish girls, they might they might want something casual, maybe. Maybe one of the Jewish girls does. They might yeah, not. They might I, not want all want to all settle down. Yeah, I'm hoping that I can find one that like is, you know, wants to have a good time, hang out, tour the city, maybe go to the Statue of Liberty. I don't know, something fun. Or just give you a job. Oof. Yeah. God, I feel so wrong just talking about this out loud. But I guess this is like, I guess this is a safe space, right? Like, we're yes. not judging anybody on, we're just talking well, about Well, Dan men would and women. definitely be judging you right now. But again, he's not here, so this is a safe place, you know? This is a safe uh, place now. 
Hey, I do feel you, really comfortable sharing that with you. I'm really happy that you did. And now, do you happen to have... You had a would you rather that you didn't get to get to um, yeah, the last it, time you were on. It, it's bad. It's, well, let's, it's like let's really do it. Because I enjoy uh, the would you rathers. And like Christoph's gives me, giving me the thumbs up. So maybe Christoph and I can both do it. It's That's, time for yes. would you rather 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 would you rather die by getting burnt alive or getting by a horse? Whoa, that is not where I thought we were going with this. <laughs> would you rather die by getting burned alive? Well, or what getting is? by a horse what's the cause of death by the horse like just the, just internal bleeding probably like just a horse yeah. penis in your anus um you know that's going to cause so much bleeding that yeah you could bleed out and die for sure so okay this is a i gotta be honest getting when i hear about people and this is Maybe too serious, but I gen- when I hear about people dying in a house fire, I think, God, like, is there any worse way to die? Like, I feel so bad for, for families and stuff that die that way. So I always think I that's know. the way I would never want to die. But getting f***ed by a horse and dying of internal bleeding? I don't know. I think I'll take the fire. Because at least that way, um, is it over quick? I don't know. I think the smoke might might suffocate you, right? There might be something to that. And then maybe you don't. Maybe the pain is just kind of quick. Whereas that horse might not finish right away. That horse might take a while. That horse might have masturbated a couple times earlier in the day and then been like, hold on, I got to get it up. Like, I'm not even really ready for this. All right, here we go. We're going for it, Christoph. Oh, this is going to take a long time. Who says, the horse has to, who says the horse has to finish? Like, you could just die in the middle of it. That's right? true. That's true. You could die before he finishes. Um, this is painful. I shouldn't have ever said this one. I th- yeah, but I'd I'd probably rather be burned alive than be f- by a horse penis and die of internal bleeding. Stoff, where do you stand on this subject? Yeah, I'm gonna go with the burning. We'd both Ooh. rather be burned alive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Jay, one more. So my buddy okay. Me well, like, ago. do you want to be the? Did you hear how that guy died? No, I don't. I don't so, want to. Yeah. I don't want people to like. I don't want my Wikipedia page yes, to say exactly. Yeah, or your tombstone. Uh, you know, a Canadian sports anchor uh, eventually died of being f- by a horse penis. So no, I, I'm good with with burned alive. I'm good with that. Okay, so let's continue. Yeah. So my friend texted me. I have a good friend. His name is Jared. We'll give him a little shout out. He uh, he goes, Ben. I got a great. Would you rather? And I said, Let's hear it. He goes, Would you rather always be stuck behind a slow person? on the freeway or always have to sit in a middle seat when you fly middle seat for sure middle seat that's an easy one yeah, you drive more than you Is fly it? yeah you drive so much right i mean every day you're dri- like you're not ben you're in new york but we are commuting every day you were in los angeles doing that i mean that's just a no-brainer yeah. i mean I, don't get me wrong i don't i hate the. i'm six six i can't stand the middle seat but i but I, yeah, that's an easy one. Give us another mm. sexual one. Don't you have a good sexual one other than the horse penis? Because that doesn't even... I'm sure some people are into that. Oh, you know what, Jay? You know what I can do? I have this book that I bought 
Oh, for boy. Dan, that's the Would You Rather book. Okay, give us a. We'll finish the podcast on a good sexual one, and then we'll. Because uh, Dan gets really uncomfortable with the sexual ones. It's so fun. I really miss that. Oh God! Right now, right, Dan uh, is partying with Tiesto in the Netherlands. And, okay, here is we that go. where he went? No, no, he's not going there. He's uh, that is canceled, unfortunately. Um, so I wish he was going though. I wish he was going back to the. To Holland, where you spent 25 glorious days just banging hookers left, right, and center in the red light district. Uh, red light district. Okay. Okay, um, here we go. One more. All right. Would you rather take a shot of semen or sleep with a distant relative that you are none sure is your cousin? until after you had sex with them. Okay, wait. Take a shot of semen, like, in the face or in the mouth? No, no. no like, take a shot. Like, a shot glass. Oh, like semen. a like, shot glass. It. Oh. Yeah, like a shot glass. Take a shot glass of semen or have sex with a distant relative who may or may not be your cousin. No, but so at the end, you find out you are related to them? Like, it's yeah, for sure? Yeah, you find out. Yeah, that you, you find were out, related. Like, third cousin, third or fourth cousin, you mm. find out. I think I'd still go cousin because at the time of the sex, you don't know that, right? At the time of the sex, it's, it may be true, may not be true, correct? Yeah, but you're going into it with some idea of like, mm, maybe they're maybe. my cousin, mm, maybe they're not. I feel like that's, that's still a odds I'm willing to, I'm willing to play those odds. What do you think, <laughs> Stuff? I don't know why this matters, but whose jizz is it? That's a good, that's actually a really good point. Is it your own jizz? It's Johnny Sins' jizz. He's an adult film star. No, Oof. no. In that case, no. The only way I would even consider it is if it was my own. I think. Stop. Where are you on Wait. that? Yeah. Jeez. It's still gross, but if it's your own, it's like, well, whatever, I guess. But I still am going with the relative. I'm still my relative. <laughs> so not only did you die by getting by a horse, you your relative all in one podcast episode and people in your country have been marrying their relatives for centuries yeah right? that's probably how we got to the situation we're in the white house right Oops. so i mean i think i don't know and, and you're saying distant too you're not saying first cousin jerry lee lewis no. married his third cousin and that seemed to work out for him pretty well other than his career imploding um, so yeah, I'm going distant relative stuff. What are you officially? What are you doing? Yeah, really distant. I'll go distant. Yeah, distant relative sex. That's a genre of porn I can get behind. Mm. This has been very informative. Think, yeah, I do think that the number one search on Pornhub is like stepmom, stepsister. So, are you confirming, Ben? You also would sex a distant relative instead of taking a shot of your own cement? Do I get money if I take the semen? Like, no, the it's question, a would but... you. It's a would you rather. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Yeah, I'm probably distant cousin too. Hmm. Well, I feel like you peer pressured know. into that one. Yeah, maybe I would do the semen if it didn't taste like. That's a that's a future drop right there. That's a future oh. drop. Ben, this has been absolutely delightful. Um, I think our <laughs> listeners are thrilled that you're back. I'm thrilled you're back. Can we check in with you over the next few weeks? Because, of course, Dan won't be here, so it's a safe zone. Uh, we want to get to uh, the bottom of those uh, the dates. 
with the three Jewish girls in New York. Um, I'm excited about that. I think that's good things are up for you this week. Um, I'm really excited. Yeah, I will, I will keep you guys posted on the date. We can, we can maybe I'll take some notes on journal and we can go back and forth about how we feel about these girls. And no more, no more inviting, no more third wheels. Like you just lock it in and make it happen, buddy. Strap right, on I'll that. Believe in myself. Strap on that horse penis and go to town. Uh, I you know thirty's going to be fun. Thirty's good. Thirty's good. Thirty's great. Ben Teller, thank you very much, my friend. You have a terrific night. Get out there and hit the nightclubs. Jay, happy Canada Day, Christoph. Great to talk to you guys. Have a good night. You too, my friend. Thank you. Bye bye. There he goes, Ben Teller. You got that. That drop is going to be amazing. Take a shot of semen if it doesn't... What? Tastes like... Tastes like... I believe, yes. Okay. There's a lot to unpack there, so I'll just let the listener do it themselves. Well, that's it. That's the Jane Dan podcast with me hosting solo, and I, I had a blast. It was so much fun. It was... I mean, Pierre, that was great. That was hardcore hockey talk, so hopefully you guys enjoyed that. And um, we'll be back next week. I have a big potential guest in store next week. Um, We'll see if it lines up, but hopefully it does. Someone we used to work with, someone who's never been on the podcast before. So we'll see if we can hopefully line that up. But for now, we'll... uh, Anything else, Christophe? Anything? Oh, very quickly, the podcast tour. Yes, Vancouver, please. Vancouver, come on, lock it down. Oh, I'm glad you remembered this. Hold on, really quickly. Vancouver, Victoria in September. Edmonton, Calgary, October. And of course... Winnipeg and Saskatoon in November. And we have some big, big plans for next year as well. Here it is. Just I'm stalling a bit. Stalling a bit because someone... Here it is. Tyler Ferris is a gentleman who tweeted at me. He says, hey, Jay, Dan, and Christoph, happy Canada Day, bods. I live in Vancouver. I just bought two meet-and-greet tickets to the show. Looking forward to it. Hashtag dance. Boomsies. Love it. Let's get more of that happening. More Vancouver tickets bought. We want to see you guys in September. Victoria as well. And then Evan to Calgary. And I believe... I just bumped the microphone. Sorry. We just heard from our agent, and he told us that Saskatoon is essentially sold out which is really cool and not surprising because that's a great town and that's a great theater so if you were thinking you wanted to go and you're from saskatoon log on to eventbrite.ca try to buy tickets now there might be a few left but i've been told it's essentially sold out all right we got to go christoph thank you my friend thank you you're the best and uh we will uh chat with you guys next week they're going home
This is the Jay and Dan Podcast. 